Hey y'all, you're now tuned in to the original podcast of A Stronger Foundation. Welcome. Some call me doctor, others call me Master T. You can call me anytime. I'm Sweet T, the academic architect PDO, that's planner, designer, and overseer of the academic success plan for kids. So tell your neighbor or call somebody and let them know it's that time. Hey, y'all, let's get building. Hey, team, I've been trapped in this little debate and I thought, you know, I'd, I'd just run it by you. So let's start with a question. Is the old former method of teaching students outdated? or just outrated? I mean, in terms of the methods once used, are they no longer effective? Do they no longer work? Why now is our educational system leaning towards promoting a type of uniformity in the way children are educated, which basically includes entertaining them? I mean, why does it seem now that every classroom lesson must be presented through some digitally animated format in order for students to remain engaged? Who voted for this? I mean, to generally disqualify the benefits of pencil and paper in primary grades first and second. Who decided to remove these opportunities that are so highly essential to building rigor and stamina in early learners? Here's an academic alert. You see, those methods that once provided a physical academic challenge that would provide alignment of mental structures involved in knowledge acquisition They've been outrated, outrated and replaced with a new and improved method for learning that, that includes easy, non-challenging instruction that the students simply, they sit back and watch. So now most of the learning occurs through entertainment. So what's so bad about that, sweet tea? What's wrong with kids having a little fun while learning? Well, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. In fact, it's all good. Until you consider the fact that based on a learner's style of acquiring knowledge, that entertaining resource may actually be more of a hindrance to the child's ability to focus. But you see, the problem with the former teaching methods, the reason why they were outrated and replaced, well, that was because, well, the former classroom teachers didn't do backflips while teaching. 
They didn't jump up and down, spin on their heads, and land in a split like the animated teachers in the new digitally animated software do. And we simply can't have that. The foundational dictators, the kids, remember? The ones with the final say about their academics? Well, they were not pleased, which resulted in unhappy parents. Kids got tired of having to work so hard in school. All that work was interfering with important recess plans. <laughs> Some kids complained and parents pushed back but not at the kids. Parents pushed against teachers and schools until the resource, the resources were changed. Okay, they pushed until schools were pressured. And it's like, I, I could just imagine it resulted in a vote. So I imagine it went something like this. Imagine being that being in that room where with parents and teachers and all the research researchers and, you know, the ones that make all the academic decisions. And so we're there. And then there's a vote. Raise your hand if you would like to keep the present methods of learning, which includes training first and second graders to excel in handwriting, vocabulary building, reading rigor, math strategies, and essay writing. Raise your hand now. Okay. One, two, three, four. Great. Thank you. All right. Now, say nay. In order to do away with that method, and replace it with a more entertaining yet less challenging method of learning, which removes the pressure from students and gives them more power to decide whether their time in school will be used for learning at all. Okay, get the hands up. Here we go. One, two, five. 10, 15, 20, 40, 80. Oh boy. Oh, all right. The votes are in. So the former method was outrated. Not necessarily outdated, but outrated. And therefore, the educational system has essentially been transformed from one extreme to the next. And this is just my opinion, but I feel like we basically went from the former whole class direct instruction to the present whole class direct instruction with added use of technology. The educational system admits that all kids learn differently yet ultimately supports an identical reach. This means that the standards are taught to all children, but individual indifference to
to learning is ignored. Hmm, what does that mean? Well, placing technology in the hand of a child who is indifferent towards learning is essentially a worthless strategy and of little academic value to the child. But is this an oversight? I mean, is it not apparent to all that in some students' hands, digital resources produce like 90% off task playing and only 10% real learning as opposed to the reverse, which is what is desired? See, I support the gesture that all kids generally speaking, have equal opportunities for learning. But I'm concerned whether allowing access to certain resources creates the provision of an obstacle to learning for certain children. Consider my point. See, some learners still need to be taught the good old fashioned way. But that way is now outrated. Can we truly say it's outdated if indeed it still works? For some students, certain manipulatives become as much of a distraction to their ability to learn as if they were hanging from the monkey bars during instruction. So it generates a new problem when a way that is still necessary becomes outrated and isolated as an instructional method. Kids that benefit from technology are the ones who are able to focus on using the resource according to its intended purpose. However, other kids who may be unable to see the resource for more than a toy for the sole purpose of their personal entertainment may not benefit in the way that it is desired. Now this is especially due to the fact that many of the preferred instructional resources attempt to teach students by simulating video games. The intention is genuine. Researchers are constantly seeking out new innovative ways to reach the seemingly unreachable. And so they figure, give the student what they love, video games. They figure they can outsmart a genuine video game guru by tricking them into learning. So they figure, hmm, if we set a learning trap, hmm, and then if we place an academic tablet inside a package wrapped in a video game casing, for example, 
the kids will be enticed and interested. Then, as they become more engaged with the video game contents, they will become so deeply engaged that they won't even recognize that they have also consumed the academic tablet. They won't know what hit them. It's so clever, it's brilliant. So see, see what I mean that the educational researchers have good intentions? Because they do. I mean, ultimately they really just want to help a child to learn. But the part that they don't seem to grasp is that a video game guru is a, a video game guru. They are so genius that they are able to isolate the video game portion or elements of the trap without ever touching the academic tablet. And so these great innovations are still no match for a learner who does not want to learn. And even though the animated learning resource is amazingly designed with break dancing instructors and bebopping teachers, the learner is able to fully engage with the entertaining piece of the resource and still manage to not be able to regurgitate or internalize the knowledge that is hoped to be instilled within them. And so am I saying this is a failure on the researcher's part? Absolutely not. This is a sad and unfortunate situation for these learners who are essentially able to resist both the traditional former methods as well as the newly innovative methods to learning. So let's back up and do a quick review. The inclusion of digital resources is highly beneficial to the reform and transformation of the educational system. But my point is, what about when it itself become a hindrance to learning? Technology and digital resources have outrated former methods that utilized pen and paper. As a result, penmanship has declined. In addition, more students have developed unhealthy academic dependencies and handicaps from using certain resources as crutches. Not all students need to print in order to learn. That's not what I'm saying. However, if that is the distinguishing factor that will result in one student's ability to develop a strong foundation, then it should be considered, well, 
I should say it should not be considered outdated, even though it may be outrated according to the leading preferences. And so although, although the highly rated method is acclaimed as the best practices for academic success, is it a means of limitation for students who will not benefit from them? For failure to being able to use them the way they're intended, I should say. Here's the key idea of this discussion. It would be one thing to replace the former method of learning in the classroom if the, if the former method was no longer utilized in other educational settings, okay? Let me say that again. I'm saying it would be one thing to replace the former method of learning in the classroom if the former method was no longer utilized in other educational settings, okay? But that's not the case because to this day, when a student is required to take a state assessment, in most cases, most and many, or maybe all digital crutches like calculators and auto readers, they're not allowed. Yeah, for, for assessments outside of the general learning environment, when students are required to demonstrate proficiency of comprehensive academic skills, they must enter the testing environment with no more than a pencil. Now, at that point, they are required to solve problems the regular way, the outrated way, or I should say outdated way, and they're not able to get help from the technology that they've depended on or that they have developed that dependency on. They are not permitted to take their digital resource to assist them during a test. So here is an example of the crippling effect we've been discussing in our other episodes. This is the moment when learners realize how failure to develop their manual reading skills or retention of certain math formulas has resulted in a grave disadvantage for them. And so, am I against implementing digital resources that enhance learning? No. I am in support of children developing their ability to manually resolve academic problems in all subjects, even in the absence or aid from a digital resource. Now breaking it down even further, children in early third grade who are unable to recall timetable facts through 12 in under three seconds may develop learning disadvantages from reliance on a calculator. Here is why parents must be cautious. See, the out with the old and in with the new approach may actually 
eliminate your child from achieving or excelling. In some cases, learners in the new school may require instructions based on the old school methods, like in the case of the video game guru. They cannot be tricked. They may not be book smart, but they have street smarts and cannot be fooled into learning. Hence, they must know what hit them. When it comes to their instructions, they got to know they're actually learning. Their instructional method for learning must be distinct from their playing times. Their instruction must be explicit as opposed to disguised because essentially this amazing animated innovation is like, like a deal breaker for acquiring knowledge, at least to the degree that it's, it's uh, desired. So if a child requires the old method of handwriting or writing spelling words multiple times in order to build their vocabulary, should the fact that this method is outrated be a cause for the child to be disqualified from developing this skill simply because the method is said to be outdated? I think not. But this is exactly what happens for the type of learner in this example, because there, there is, see, because there is a desired uniformity in educating learners, digital resources has become the new whole class instructional method, which inadvertently isolates this type of learner from their highest achievement. Now, some may say that it's the kid's problem if they want to goof off during learning. They have access to the same resources. They have all the same opportunity. That's their problem if they want to goof off and miss out. But think about what I always say about putting, putting academic power in a child's hands. You expect a child whose weakness is video games to be able to mentally separate playtime from work time. So essentially, this child's victory is encapsulated within his kryptonite. And so even with great intention and effort to reach the academic victory, the child must push through as they become increasingly weakened by the enticing strength of this kryptonite. And that we consider ethical. Expecting the child to make a conscious and intelligent decisions between using the resource for its educational benefit 
over its ability to appease their desire to play. Come on. And so it all falls back on the parents as the one who is responsible for enabling the best learning opportunities for their children. It's not good enough to just go with the flow because the easy flow is the easy choice, but the hard flow may be the best option for an individual child who learns best through rigor. Some kids still require rigor in order to achieve their best. So don't buy into distractions that will prevent your best academic judgments about your child. If your child is lethargic and resistive to learning, then you may want to consider whether a, a liberal versus more disciplined learning method is most appropriate for them. Some kids just won't benefit from a mix of work with play. Now, before I go, let me remind you of this. Hard work pays off concept is certainly outrated, but will never, and I say never, be outdated. Thank you so much for listening.